not proud, but that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses, I just want to be free from the power weakness had on me. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Jean McCarthy. I write the blog Unpickled, which chronicles my experiences in sobriety since day one in 2011. And I recently released a book called The Unpickled Holiday Survival Guide, a look at all things sobriety-related about family, going to parties, hosting, work events, and how we navigate these things as a person in recovery. It's available in print on Amazon or through your local bookstore. Stores, and it's also available as an ebook for Kindle, Kobo, and Apple Books. There has been a phenomenal feedback on this book, and there's still time to download it as a resource for New Year's, and I think you'll actually find it useful throughout the year for any family gatherings, birthday parties, 4th of July whatever comes up on your calendar. So check it out. And for those of you who have already read it, thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart. And you can help me out by writing a review on Amazon. That's a huge help and that helps other people find it as well. So last week, I introduced you to several women in in recovery who I interviewed earlier this month while I was on a She Recovers retreat in Mexico. Now in the last episode, we heard their words of encouragement to others over the holidays. And today, you're going to hear how each of them plans to navigate the holidays for themselves. Now, you'll notice that some of the women talk about more than just alcohol recovery. There's also talk about food addiction, drugs, codependency, and trauma. She Recovers reminds us that we are all in recovery from something, and that no matter what the ism, the recovery process, and the lessons are always relatable and transferable. So my name's Amy, and I have been alcohol-free for three years. Congratulations. Thank you. What are some of your favorite tips for being alcohol-free at a very drinky time of year? So for me, first is knowing my limits, not feeling like I have to say yes to every invitation that comes my way. I think if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Really, I have to really want to go to something at this time of year to go. So first knowing my limits and then having... An easy out, so I always drive myself. I have a way home. Um, I am married, so I let my husband know ahead of time, okay, this feels like maybe like a 45-minute function. (laughs) (laughs) You can just tell. (laughs) Right, 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 right. As soon as we get there, I'm like, yeah, this feels maybe about like an hour. (laughs) Or we might get there and that'll be like, nope, this is a half-hour function. (laughs) So having a time limit ahead of time, maybe, you know, maybe a a variable time limit. Um, I tend to also bring all my own drinks. Typically to functions, I always want to make sure that I have something that I like. Um, If it's a a fairly boozy party, they tend to overlook people who don't, who don't drink. And so that you might be left with water or sparkling water or tap water. So I, I try to bring a few drinks that I like so that I always have something that I enjoy. So I don't feel like I'm less than or not having what I want. If I had to pick three, so having a time limit, having uh, uh, knowing my limits, whether it's yes or no, and then bringing my own drinks and having a way home. So tell me how you talk yourself through 
if you're feeling triggered or just even anxious Mm -hmm. and you know that that might lead you to feel triggered, how do you move yourself through that feeling and how do you deal with cravings? So I physically remove myself, whether it's getting up from the table or getting up from the group of people. I don't sit in conversations that aren't, you know, serving me or being around people that their energy is making me anxious. Or if you start to hear that loop that people are beginning to, you know, drink too much and they're telling the same stories again and again, I just get up and leave. Like if I'm not entertained, I, I leave. Um, and whether that's leaving the function or removing myself from the room first and then finding if I can't leave the place, then I will, you know, find a bathroom or, or find a quiet corner. And I practice feeling my feet on the ground, you know, putting both feet on the ground. And if it's a place where I could actually like take off my shoes, I would take off my shoes and feel my feet on the ground and maybe just even like rock back and forth until I feel like my feet are firmly on the ground. So for me, that craving that, you know, that story that you start to tell yourself or, you know, future tripping or reminiscing or romanticizing alcohol takes me out of my body. And so if I can put myself back in my body by feeling my feet on the ground, feeling grounded, and then scent for me is a strong balm for me. So I always carry something in my purse that I like, and I have like an essential oil blend that was made for me. And I pull it out, I smell it, I put it on my wrists. And then I like chapstick. Like I have a really lovely like Burt's Bees chapstick that I put on and it feels really luxurious. So all of those tactile things, whether Mm. it's scent or taste or touch of like actually putting myself back in my body. And then that tends to snap me out of whatever that story or that, you know, that loop is that might be going on where I'm lamenting the fact that I'm not drinking when anyone else is. I'm Claire, and I've been recovering for 33 years. For this Christmas holiday, um, I feel as though the gift, the only gift I can give my children is the gift of um, my sobriety. Um, I'm an abstinent woman today. I'm in a program, a 12-step program for uh, my food addiction and uh, that I can bring sobriety to the family and healing. And um, as a mother of four children, I was there physically. I thought I was a good mother. I was always at their, um, their, their games and all the different um, functions that were at school. And I thought that was being a good mother and being a cook and et cetera, et cetera. And I realize now in my sobriety, I wasn't there emotionally for them. I wasn't there emotionally for myself, so I couldn't be there for them emotionally. And they're adult children, and they have, they have their issues. And what I say is I may be the cause of their problems, but it really is up to them to find recovery. And my gift to them is, again, my sobriety, my abstinence, and being the mother I couldn't be to love them where they're at, um, and to see their magnificence, to really zero on in on each one of my children, their, their, their spirit, their magnificence, not what they're not. Because if I'm judging them, I'm really judging myself. And I know I have the gift I'm giving my grandchildren. I can tell them I'm an alcoholic um, 
grandmother, and they don't think it's some big lady, you know, um, homeless on the side street, that this disease, it doesn't matter whether Yale or jail, it can um, take, take over anyone's life. So, and then for the holidays, what I have to do is, you know, being sober 33 years, I don't see myself drinking, but I do, I can get um, anxious and I really want to live in the present moment. And so I need to be really careful around the holidays and around family. It's just center myself and just know that, you know, wherever I am is where I need to be. And whether it's in conversation and if, um, you know, sometimes in the beginning, I used to always want to be in all the conversations. I never wanted to be in the conversation I was in. I was looking to have conversation with somebody else. Uh, But today it's I really want to be where my feet are and uh, just come from a place of love and non-judgment and be grateful. Gratitude is one of the things that every morning I wake up, I say to myself, thank you, God, for my sobriety, for my abstinence, and for the love I have um, that I never had for myself before. So again, it's, um, it's self-acceptance, self-awareness, and I have the ability to change change the things that aren't working for me by maybe a little different perspective. How do I want to perceive this? And if there's something going wrong, you know, I, what my new mantra is, bless them, change me. Because I am powerless over anybody else, but I do have the ability to be able to change my perspective on the different um, uh, things in my life. So um, that's kind of it all in a quick nutshell. Um, My name's Allison, and I've been in recovery for four years from alcohol, and I drank my whole life, which was a long time. And I never thought I'd be able to stop drinking, but I did. What do you do now, using those tools and probably some other tools you've learned along the way, when you feel triggered? How do you manage those moments? Well, basically what I learned in rehab to pre- was more to prevent triggers. So it was more to put all these other positive things in my life and to change certain behaviors so that I wouldn't be triggered. And there are really very few times now that I am triggered. I think it was much harder in the first year of sobriety and there would be triggers. I I didn't want to see any alcohol. I didn't want to go to a restaurant. If I did, I would turn around and not look at the bottles as I walked through. I didn't want to go anywhere where there was drinking. So it it was, it's changed since, since the first year. And if I do feel triggered, sometimes I'll just think about it. I'll think about having that drink and I'll fantasize about it. And for just a little bit, that feels okay. But then I'll play it through and I'll remember, wait, you don't do that anymore. That's not what I go to. And then I'll just sit and think about it until it passes. And so far, it's worked. And it always does pass, right? It does. You learn that an urge only lasts just so long and it peaks and then it comes back down. But as a person with alcoholism, I had to learn that. I had to learn that it was okay to be uncomfortable 
And I, I didn't want to be uncomfortable. I, want, I was uncomfortable. Oh, I'll have a drink so I don't have to have that feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, Jean. My name is Emma. And is this your first holiday season then, going alcohol-free? Yes. Yeah. And tell me about how that's feeling for you as you head into it. Do you have any like dread or concern or what's your feeling towards it and what's your strategy for it? Um, in terms of alcohol, I don't actually have any dread or concern about it because I feel like I'm sort of over the hump for lack of a better way to say that, but I feel like I'm over the hump. My concern or anxiety, I guess, around that is more about the family dynamics, which um, can often be tense and, um, you know, I'll be going home for Christmas and of course staying with my mom and there's often some tension and friction there. So I've, I'm looking at more strategies to kind of manage my stress and stay on my healthy track and, you know, going to the gym and I'm going to go, uh, for an overnight, you know, out of town with one of my close friends just to kind of change, change it up and maybe give us a little, my mom and I a little bit of space as well to give, give ourselves a little bit of breathing space. Um, and yeah, just, you know, visiting with other family members and they're not really big drinkers, so it shouldn't be a problem. It's more about managing my reactions and the tension with, uh, with my mom. So I've got some, um, tools in, in place for that and, you know, listening to the podcasts and things like that and just, you know, gym, staying healthy. And, uh, yeah, that's my plan. When you go to a party where alcohol is being served, mm-hmm. how do you navigate that? It's funny. Um, I've just been having, like, I'll have um, tonic water and uh, lime, or I'll just do what I normally do is just have water. And if people have asked when I, before I was open about it, I would just say, I'm just, you know, not feeling great, or I'm just, you know, living a healthier lifestyle. And everybody's aware that I've been living healthier lifestyle anyway. So I'm really lucky in that sense that it hasn't, that hasn't been an issue. There's been no pressure, thankfully. And I know that often there is. Um, having said that, I have gone out for drinks, drinks with people from work and I've felt awkward, um, in those scenarios, um, because you kind of see funny looks, but I just kind of, yeah, I'm, they know I go to the gym and then I'm doing yoga and Pilates and all that stuff. And I just say, yeah, it's just not part of my lifestyle and my anxiety, it just triggers my anxiety, which is a reality. And I want to manage that too. So people usually pretty kind of settle down pretty quickly and then I just leave early and I don't really want to stick around anyway. So it's, it's, I've been really lucky that way as well. Well, my name is Erica and I've been sober or alcohol free for 447 days. Um, I have a counter on my phone that just told me that this morning. Are there any special challenges that this time of year presents for you? Um, for me, mostly it's Christmas parties. Um, my family is not, are not huge drinkers, so it's not, that's not a stressful part. Like family events are not alcohol ridden, you know, that's not a problem. But for me, it's social events and seeing people that I haven't seen in a long time and work related socializing, um, that I always feel compelled to show up at and be a team player and be social. I mean, to be honest, um, quitting drinking really made me realize that I don't like going out at night. I don't like bars. I don't like noise. (laughs) I don't, I prefer people one-on-one connecting in like more intimate settings. And those Christmas parties don't really offer that. A big part of my sobriety and supporting it was really honoring that. I won't go to a lot of events. You know, the, the holidays for me are about connecting with my family 
and um, they're not networking events anymore, and they're not ways to blow off steam the way that I used to, um, and they're not, you know, they're not worth it. I don't need to see my colleagues getting wasted. I, I really don't need to see that, and I don't need to, to feel uncomfortable in a situation that's not really, it's not going to make or break my career or my relationships with my colleagues or or my my friends even. Do you how what do you do to navigate social situations that have alcohol in them? How do you support yourself like in if you are going to something a, a neighborhood party or a gathering where there's alcohol? How do you protect your sobriety in those situations? Well, first of all, I really determine do I have to go to this? <laughs> because most of the time I don't. Like I said, it's not going to make or break I don't really want to go to a lot of them. It's not going to make or break the relationships that I have with the people that will be there. Um, So I make that determination, do like a cost-benefit analysis. Do I really need to go? And if I decide that I do, for whatever reason, if there's a person there that I really want to connect with and I'm not going to see them otherwise or or whatever, um, then I, I just make a plan to show up and be there for a specific amount of time and you know, let everybody know that that's like set that boundary right from the start. And so that's my plan. And, you know, to be honest, I've even, you know, made something up about like, oh, well, I have, I have to go to this after, or I have, you know, I feel like it's sort it's like a little white lie, but it's, 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 I don't feel like explaining, like, I can't be here because I'm afraid, you know, that it's going to be uncomfortable. Like, you know, I don't need to go into that. So I just say, I need to be somewhere else after, so I'm only going to be here till 8 o'clock or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You do need to be somewhere else afterwards. Yeah. At home, in your pajamas. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so saying no to invitations is important, but we also know, you know, the big triggers, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Mm-hmm. So how do you prevent isolating and becoming lonely when you're going out less and doing that? What do you do to protect yourself from loneliness and isolation? Mm -hmm. Well, so I've had to develop different relationships, um, really with people that know me as now that I'm alcohol free and that support that. So, you know, I'm quite close with my sister. So, you know, if I tell her that I'm going to a party, she'll know that I'm going and know that I'm going to be leaving at a certain time. So I just stay connected with her. And I have, you know, other friends that know how I feel about it. So it's not, I don't feel isolated anymore. Um, or that I, that I, I'm needing to be in a, an alcohol fueled situation to connect to people mm-hmm. because I still have those, I have those connections. Um, and I had to work to make them, but you know, that's, that's part of the, that's part of the work and it's so worth it. It's, it's cause they're the real connections. Mm-hmm. Those, you know, the ones that are alcohol soaked or not. I'm Kathy Robbins from Cape Cod and I have been alcohol free for 31 years. It wasn't easy. I remember thinking it was going to be a lot easier than it was. And then going to party, going to social events and parties and people saying, oh, come on, one drink won't kill you. And really having this commitment to myself, no, I really have made a commitment to this year. And um, no matter what, if your ass is falling off, don't pick up a drink. <laughs> that was sort of the motto. But when we were talking about the holidays, for me, it's not only not drinking, but it's also not eating sugar and flour. Mm. 
and the drinking isn't even an issue at this stage. I, I know people don't like to hear that, but it really isn't an issue after 31 years. It's still there, but it's, it's just, I can't even imagine picking up a drink, but the food, but the sugar, the sugar and flour. And so when I think about the holidays, I, I have my little mantra. I say the three Ps, and the three Ps are plan, prepare, and protect. And it almost becomes a, a mantra. Okay, have you planned out what you're going to be doing with your food? Have you prepared, have you, are you prepared and are you protecting your recovery? So anything that gets in the way of protecting my recovery, I try not to do. But I host for my family. I have a large family. I'm one of 13 children. And I host Christmas with usually over 30 people. And I would say the number one thing that I would advise is ask for help. Mm. But it's not even enough to, because when you, I, I'm to say to people, I'm going to need help. That's not enough. What I actually do is I, I, have, concre- I have a concrete plan. I, I hire someone to come and we all chip in for that person and they're in the kitchen and they're serving and taking care of things. So I can really, because if I don't do that, I really feel stressed to have that many people. I do the entree and everybody else brings things and I decorate the house and get the house ready and that's a big deal too. And I actually have someone come and help me decorate my house, a friend that really loves doing it. And I love it because doing it with someone else is so much more fun. Mm -hmm. And I really think that that's a big part of this process too when you're in recovery is we're supposed to have fun in the lifeboat. (laughs) <laughs> it's not, you know, we're lucky enough to be in the lifeboat. And I think we have to make sure we're having fun. And that was a big thing. I was a great one for being a martyr. You know, like, oh, I'm going to have to do this. So I really say to myself, how can you make this fun? And decorating my house is fun with my friend. And having people bring things is fun. And we sing Christmas carols. And we have funny hats. And making it fun, I think, is really important. Because I think that, I really believe that that's the gift of recovery. Hi, Jean. I'm Kim, and I do identify as an alcoholic, and I've been sober since January of 1984, for which I am really grateful. When I first got sober, I really loved reconnecting with my higher power and building my spiritual um, my, my, my connection with my higher power. So going into the holidays was really a very sacred time because of what we were celebrating, peace, love, joy, things like that. So rather than focus on things that maybe like the loss of being able to drink, I focused on what we were really celebrating in the holidays, which made it very sacred and special. Um, so that is what I've continued to focus on in the holidays, um, in the years since when, and at first when I was around my family, I found that very triggering, very uncomfortable. And what I did was try to make myself of service, help my mom in the kitchen, help clean up, but however I could just be of service and not focus on if I felt comfortable or uncomfortable or triggered. So now, after many years of sobriety, obviously I learned early that birds of a feather flock together, and I tend to 
uh, be around other people that are like-minded. So really, a lot of those triggers have um, completely disappeared. They're, they're just not there. I'm around supportive, recovering people. But when I am in those situations, I examine my motives for being there, if I, how long I need to stay if I'm uncomfortable, and again, just try to um, be of service where I can. I might plan out what I'm going to order to drink and who at any events I might choose to spend my time with, and I always give myself permission to leave when I need to. Mm, that's good advice. Do, do you experience cravings at this stage in your recovery? Does that ever happen to you? And when or if it does, how do you navigate that or identify that it's working up to it? Honestly, after these years, I really don't um, experience cravings for alcohol. There are many times, however, when I feel like I uh, am not comfortable in my skin and don't want to feel the way I feel and would like to change the way that I feel. So... What I've learned helps me in those times is meditation. So a lot of the vices have fallen away, eating, um, smoking, um, things that I can no longer use to change the way I feel. So what, I've, what I learned today is I go into meditation, which in early recovery does not sound like a very good idea, but I've learned over the years that that is what's really going to help me. And um, if I have time, um, yoga is really good as well for calming my nervous system and keeping me emotionally regulated and centered. Mm-hmm. And you spend a lot of time outside and active, it sounds like, and that's just an important part of your life, it sounds like. It really is. I, I learned to do the things and fill my life with things that are self soothing. I have a puppy I spend a lot of time with, uh, spend a lot of time doing the things that I know make me feel good and fill me up. Hi, um, I'm Sharon Lee and um, I am a woman in long-term recovery. Uh, it'll be 23 years in on March 18th. You've had a lot of practice at the holidays, yeah. um, but I also know that grief is prominent in your life right now does that affect the holidays and how do you plan we're, we're just going into you know the intense time of year totally. so proactively what are you going to do for yourself to help protect your sobriety and your heart during a time of year that you're adept at and yet every year something new comes along into exactly. it <laughs> that's the, that's the beauty of uh, recovery is we always get another layer and um yeah grief going through grief currently um, i'll probably tear up no matter what's going on, I know I don't have to use anything that's going to change my mood, no matter what kind of emotions I'm going through. So it's really important that people who are going through really hard times, because the holidays can be horrible. Um, for, for me personally, I've been living in a in Mexico. It's always party fiesta time. It's not just the holidays. It's like day to day. So my personal exposure has been people coming down for the holiday and in recovery around me and going, oh my God, I'm around all this stuff. So I've had a lot of experience helping myself in the environment and others. Um, and for me, it's just, I just try and, if I know I'm going into a situation where there's going to be alcohol, like I'm going to a restaurant down on Fifth Avenue, for instance, or into a family function, there's going to be alcohol around. I'm pretty much going to be the only one who's, Drinking And for me personally, I find over the years, it's like 
people seem to be somewhat okay, but then they hit that three drink thing and then they become like, feel like they have to say how proud they are of you and hang on you and they're <laughs> drunk. And I probably come in a little later than, you know, like say we're supposed to be there at four thirty or five. I come in just a little bit later. Um, and then I just let everyone know, like, I've got to go to a meeting at a certain time. So I give myself a couple of hours of window and I fully engage and I'm there with them and I just try and gauge it. And then I just, you know, I just let everyone know, like, I, I've, I've got to go to a meeting. They wouldn't say to a diabetic, don't take your insulin or to somebody who's allergic to strawberries, here, have a strawberry. So like, it's about educating those loved ones that these are your boundaries. Hi, my name is Mary. I am, oh gosh, I guess about six and a half years into recovery now. It's been fabulous. It's mm. been great. It's been quite a growth. What's it like for you now having a few holiday seasons under your belt? I know you do a lot of entertaining. You have a lot of people into your home. Mm-hmm. What have you learned to do to protect your sobriety during the holiday season? As my recovery has grown over these past six years, my coping mechanisms around the holidays have changed. In the beginning, I suppose the first year or two over, say, Thanksgiving and Christmas, I'll admit it was hard. Well, for instance, I remember that first Christmas being at my husband's holiday party in someone's home. And they, um, you know, the alcohol was flowing and I had no desire to drink, but I felt very uncomfortable. I felt awkward. I was, you know, talking in the crowd. And I remember slipping away during the course of that night and calling my sponsor a couple of times that night. And she, just knowing she was there and giving me some advice over the phone got me through the night. Uh, But I, I remember feeling awkward and it's an uncomfortable feeling. It's hard. But I didn't have to pick up, I, you know, and I chose not to pick up. I didn't um, do it. I just dealt with the uncomfortable feelings. That was in 2013. Over the years, what I have learned to do is, it's first of all, it's gotten easier. And But what I have learned to do is when I am in a crowd of people that are drinking and getting loud and boisterous and, you know, the wine and spiked eggnog is flowing and whatnot. Um, It can make me anxious. And I honestly, I do what probably so many do. I slip away. I literally remove myself. We have a lot of people over to my home on Christmas and I go to my aunt's on Thanksgiving. And in both occasions, I will literally remove myself from a room. I just duck out as if I'm going to the bathroom. Well, actually, and sometimes that's what I do. I'll go to the bathroom or I'll go into a bedroom and I close the door and I I just take a lot of deep breaths. Quite frankly, I also say the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I find those words to be very soothing and calming. It really brings me back to the present and realizing there's just some things I will not be able to control. I am also now, I, drink, I make mocktails for myself or I drink, um, you know, non-alcoholic beer from time to time. Not a lot, but if there is a lot of alcohol at a party and I just, I happen to like the taste of it. I have one. And I just feel like I'm fitting and joining right in. It feels good. 
tastes good, and it doesn't trigger me at all. But honestly, at this point in my sobriety, it's just not that difficult for me during the holidays. I, I have no desire. Thank the Lord, I have no desire to uh, engage in in the drinking again. The 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 when I was done, I I, I was done, and I look around me and I see other people engaged in that and their behavior, and it's not somewhere that I want. I want to. It's not a path I want to go on. My name is Rachel, and I have been alcohol-free for six months. This is my first sober Christmas. I was sober during Halloween, which is, which was big where I was. Like it was, I mean, moms walking around with big glasses and goblets of wine when they were trick-or-treating with their kids. And um, I was also sober last Thanksgiving. Um, but I was uh, right around this time where we are currently um, is when I started drinking last year, right around, right after Thanksgiving time. So I was drinking last Christmas. I don't have much apprehension with Christmas and Christmas Eve um, or, or any time with family. Um, my husband still drinks. He, he drinks way less than he used to, but he still drinks. Um, and my dad still drinks and he contacted me and said, you know, what's your comfort level with alcohol? And I just thought that was really nice. And I really appreciated him saying that. My, I just asked, I was like, just no wine. Cause I drank wine. Um, and seeing like a big glass of wine on the table, I think would just distract me, mm-hmm. maybe not make me even want it, but just kind of mentally maybe take up some space that I don't want to give it on a holiday. I want to be with my family. So that was the only thing. I really don't mind them doing beer, and I was never a liquor person anyway. I do drink um, some non-alcoholic drinks, which is a big conversation with people, and I totally get that. I was I was actually not too keen on non-alcoholic. They just kind of scared me. And my husband and I took a trip to Sweden, and we also went to uh, Helsinki in Norway, and we went to Estonia. And I could not believe the amount of non-alcoholic drinks that were there that were offered. And it was on every menu. And there were breweries that had non-alcoholics that they brewed there. I, I, you know, I, I do drink those. So every once in a while, um, I would maybe crack open a non-alcoholic. But it, I just will have one. Sometimes I don't even finish them. But I know everyone has a different perspective. But I will do that. So with my family, I'm not that worried when we're not with the family, that is a little different. What we have done in other New Year's, that friend circle, they say the right things, but they don't, what they say and what their actions are are two very different things. And um, I'm coming to terms with that. It's just how that's going to be. So we don't really have New Year's plans. I think we'll probably just stay in and play some board games, maybe reach out to other friends no party to navigate necessarily. I don't think so. I don't think so. And that's okay. I um, want to wake up on New Year's Day feeling good. That's, that's important to me. I'm Christina. I'm in recovery from perfectionism and bulimia and codependency and betrayal trauma and other things as well. How does party season, end of year party season, present special uh, challenges for you? Or does it? Yeah, it, it totally does. Um, I could get caught up in, what am I going to wear? Lots of that. 
oh my gosh, I have to look perfect and amazing and my addict mind can think, I need to look 30 pounds lighter than I actually am, which is <laughs> number one, impossible, and number <laughs> two, right? Like, it's not who I am, but that's stuff that comes up. What am I going to say at the party? Who am I going to talk to? What if I don't have... It's that, that, that voice, that critical voice that I call that voice Spike because it's a bully. Spike <laughs> is the big old bully in my head that says you're not good enough and you're not smart enough and you're not pretty enough and you're not, nobody's going to like you. And boy, t- first of all, just learning to address, to notice, oh, that's Spike, that's Spike. Okay, that's a part of me, but that's not who I am, right? And then I can say, all right, Spike, I hear you. And I hear you're, you're worrying and you're trying to help, but back down. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really helpful to me to kind of embody this, these other parts of me and realizing that, you know, I have all these different parts, all these different ages. That spike is a bully. And that spike is just based on fear, right? Spike wants to protect me from fear, but has some really crappy coping skills. Spike has no idea what they're doing. He, she, I don't know. Um, uh, holiday stuff, like at my own home, I could start worrying. I didn't get the right presents. I'm not getting enough. I should have gotten this. Um, just so it, it comes out in spiraling anxiety. Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough because I should have made this amazing meal or I should have. All the silly shoulds that, that are just so toxic and hurtful to my soul. There's, I mean, guilt, right? It's all wrapped up in guilt and shame, and I'm not good enough. Reminding my, you know, the best thing I could do is remind myself. Number one, I don't, I don't have to prove myself. I am lovable and wonderful right now as I am, and the holidays aren't about impressing people. They're not about being someone I'm not. They're not about, oh, if I just get you the right thing, then, then you'll love me, or then I'm worthy of being alive. Um, they're really about connecting, connection, enjoying the moments. And it's funny how sometimes, you know, especially when you have kids, even though my kids are grown, this feeling of I have to get them the perfect present and everything's supposed to be wonderful and, and magical. And the reality is it's not. There are magical moments, right, or pleasant moments and joyful moments. But just like life, it's not. It's not magical all the time. It's there are bumps and and missed expectations and unhappy people and that's life. So I really have learned to just it's not I have learned. I can't say I have learned. I can say I am continually learning to remind myself to savor this moment. Okay, savor that moment and focus on gratitude for the things that are going that are sweet. Hmm. My sincere thanks to Amy, Claire, Allison, Emma, Erica, Kathy, Kim, Sharon Lee, Mary, Rachel, and Christina. These ladies will be back next week for one more episode on January 1st. That's the first episode of season eight, by the way. They'll each be telling us how they did it, how they got sober, and how they stay that way. A perfect topic for January 1st, don't you think? And that's it for this week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care. Own it, I did that. Not proud, but that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses, I just want to be free. For
Just want to be free 